0: song, October is Pastor Appreciation Month, and uh, I'd like to ask Trey and Laura to uh, step up here. As, um, Trey has really filled some big shoes, and uh, if, uh, if some of you don't know that, just uh, just stick around and look around the church, and there's a project going on down the hall here where they're redoing some offices and uh, uh, Trey's going here and there and he's hammering nails and doing all this stuff and uh, he's really uh, stepped up to the plate uh, while we've been without a pastor and uh, words can't describe the appreciation that we have for him and what he's done, and Laura and uh, their family and uh, last week uh, uh, Trey's stood up here and I I think preached the best message ever preached Sunday morning. And Sunday night come back and done it again. And then I happened to be in the bunker Wednesday night and he did it again. And it's amazing what God can do through someone like Trey Emery, And uh, I've watched Trey grow up and I've told stories about Trey and, but i watched him grow up from when he was born, you know, and and uh, watched him step up into this man that God wanted him to be. Uh, Trey and I have uh, sat in the in the dorm at Bog Springs uh, before team camp started, and uh, we've talked, and and I'm just amazed at how God has worked through him and has built this this person. And uh, Trey, mm-hmm. part of the church, we we give you this, and we appreciate. It. Everything that you do here, and what you've done here in the last several months, and uh, just like I say, words can't describe what you have what you have done for us, and we really appreciate it. We love you. Let's have a word of prayer. Before we... Lord, we just thank You so much for what You do for our church. And Lord, uh, I know sometimes we just feel like that. what are we going to do next? And You always show up. And Lord, we uh, know that You you showed up here with Trey and, and just helped us through a time, Lord. And Lord, we appreciate Him so much, Lord. And Lord, we just ask that You pray for Him and Laura's ministry, Lord. And wherever You may lead Him, Lord, in the future we just pray that uh, he'll be here many more years as we watch him grow in you Lord and uh, Lord we do thank you for your answered prayers and uh, again ask that you pray for brother Josh as he speaks to his church this morning Lord and just give him strength and and the things that he needs Lord and pray for their church but Lord just be with Trey this morning as he just presents his message, Lord, and you just speak through him, and if there's someone here lost, Lord, that they'll come to know you before it's too late. Lord, we ask your forgiveness for things we do against you, and all these things we ask in Jesus' name, amen.
1: There's something I want to say. Uh, first of all, what's yours is mine, honey. <laughs> he loses things on Sundays. Yeah. Just put that out there there's a couple things y'all don't know one is i could do the ministry without her she is a blessing she holds me up when i get like this she's awesome y'all y'all need to appreciate her like you do me if you you do already but she's she's my go to Number two, Brother Jeff, you said something. Done a lot of ministry over the last month, but there's a lady right back there, Miss Denise. She's best thing this church has got. (laughs) That woman right there. We sat down after Brother Michael resigned. I said, I need you, Mr. Denise. And she has pulled through in every way. She's took out nails. Cause I'm not as organized when I do work. <laughs> that lady, y'all need to appreciate her as well. I thank y'all.
0: I talked to jo- uh, Brother Josh Saturday and all, and I just just told him. That we're not slacking up. We ain't slowing down. We we keep it on pressing forward now. Miss Betty has our special.
2: You should have let me do this first. <laughs> The shepherd's hand The valley you just came through Was hard to understand Then the shepherd draws you closer There's something he wants you to see Then he points back to the valley and unfolds its mystery As the eagle soar around you And you look back on where you've been One by one he answers questions That he did not answer then He now shows you the danger Of going your own way All those roads you thought were better Would have led your soul astray He reminds you of that moment When you could not make it through Now you see one set of footprints Where he reached out and carried you As your tears fall on his shoulder And you thank him for his love He says, child, I knew one day you'd see this valley from above. Things look different on the mountain from the shepherd's point of view, standing high above the trials that he brought you safely through. All the valleys disappointments would never look the same to you, for things look different on the mountain from the shepherd's point of view all the Things look different on the mountain from the shed.
1: can get over his crying stuff. Let me tell you, I appreciate promised land. And there's somebody else I don't want to go today without saying I appreciate. That's Mr. Bull. Y'all know him. I ain't got to say nothing about him. But I do this this week, probably shouldn't have done that this morning because this week, um, as I studied Galatians six, Lord laid on my heart one of the <laughs> most challenging messages I've ever thought of and And you may not get a single thing out of it this morning, <laughs> but I did, okay. And, um, so I hope you brought your steel toe, cause mine are wore off. My toes are gone this week. The Lord has stepped all over them. But in Galatians six, Paul charges Galatia, um, to, to, we know in verse, or chapter Five, as we studied last week, to put behind legalism to put behind, uh, to put behind laws and, and following rules and follow Christ and then, in chapter six, we see the practical side of this. What does that really look like and uh, look we 're just going to start if you will, stand with me as we read verses one and two. Brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Let's bow. Dear Lord, thank You for this day. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You for what it teaches us, where it leads us. Dear Lord, help us to be people that are willing to take Your Word and live it out in our everyday lives. Dear Lord, thank You for the message here that we're going to find in Galatians chapter 6. Help us to be people who live it out each and every day. Dear Lord, thank You for this day. Thank You for this group of people. Thank You for this church and what she stands for. In Your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Paul... Again, he goes to this practical side of, of if we are living for Christ, if we are following after Him, this is how we should do it. And the first thing he brings out is whenever we as a group of believers, and I do believe he's talking to a group of believers here in chapter 1, you can see he says, to the churches at Galatia. So, so if you're here this morning, just to preface this, um, I believe this message is going to be to church members. I believe that you can find something practical in this message, but mainly the message and the direction of this message is towards church members. Because they're the only ones that bear the burden or the responsibility together as a unit, as the body of Christ. And so I wanted to preface this message with that. Let's read verses one and two again and, and follow that on out uh, into verse four. It says, Brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual restore such a one as and one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Restore a brother. Let's just take a second and talk about that. Restore a brother. This this comes right out of Paul's plea in chapter 5. If you remember back to verses 14 and 15, he says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. Restoring a brother... Fulfills the laws is really what it says. So in that, thinking about that, we need to be people who care. We need to be people who care. How can we not care and still love people? It doesn't work. Christians are the only one, uh, I've heard this several times, it's not original with me, but Christians are the only ones that kick their wounded while they're down. You see it in churches everywhere. They put shame on top of the wounded, those that have become guilty. Why? If we are an army of believers, we don't need to shoot our wounded while they're down. We need to stand together, help each other up, and carry the burden together. That's what Paul is urging them to do here. Our purpose ought not be to bring shame on others just because they have sinned. We have it too. But rather to restore them to the battlefield. Bring them back to the fight. Paul urges us to do this in a specific way. He says, ye which are spiritual. We don't want to send carnally minded people to restore the ones that need restoring. Can you imagine going to somebody laying there and saying, get up, man up, be the person you're supposed to be? That doesn't work, does it? We need people who are spiritual, people that can go to them and point them to Christ, those that will reassure them of God's forgiving grace. We need people who will go to people that are wounded and have burdens and have weaknesses. And help them realize that they'll never get out of that burden. They'll never get out of that sin without God's help. It says there, Lest thou also be tempted to send carnally minded people to restore brethren brethren, opens the door for that same person to be tempted. Imagine if we sent a recovering alcoholic to restore an alcoholic. When he goes there, he's faced with those same temptations that he's trying to get away from. We need to send spiritually mature people to restore other people. And he also says with meekness, not only spiritual people, but gentle people. People that know they could stand bold on the truth and accuse, but rather find grace in light of the sin. When we go to people, we don't need to say, look at here, look at here, look at here, you're wrong. We need to say, God loves you. What He did for you on the cross paid for that sin. Come out of that. We need people who are meek. People who are gentle. People that go to other people and, and, and th- they're not weak. But they help each other. And as they help each other, the burden gets carried. It says there not only restore your brother, but carry each other's burdens. It's important to note here that the burdens that it's talking about has to do with weaknesses. Uh, and, and the reason I say that is because we're going to get to a Scripture here in a minute. It looks like a contradiction, but this is important. The burden here is weaknesses. Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's a fault you're caught in. Help each other carry that. Hold each other accountable in that. Uh I want to ask you, have you ever known people that it seems like they just can't get out? That They're stuck in something and they just can't get out. I think about maybe an analogy of a person down in a pit. And that person in that pit is yelling, help, help, help. Somebody walks up and says, I'll pray for you. Is that going to help that person get out of the pit any? No. We need somebody to go find the rope. Throw it down in there. And pull them out. We need people to, that are willing to, to get dirty, to, to get in the pit with them, help them out, because people that are caught in sin, people that are at fault and that's their weakness and they can't seem to get out, need Christian brethren and sisters to come beside them and help them get out. That's what he means by bear each other's burdens. Help your brother. Help your sister get out. And then he says, bearing each other's burdens fulfills the law. That's the good part. If we want something practical, if we want want to go to the Bible and see something absolutely page for page, word for word, that we can relate to, this is it when we care about others enough to go and bear their burdens, to help them in their time of weaknesses, that is loving one another. That fulfills the law. And so, so Paul just lays it out here for you. This is where you need to be. Instead of biting, devouring one another, you need to be helping one another, grabbing the load that someone can't carry on their own. We need to be getting involved in each other's lives and making a difference where we can. Look at verse 3 and 4. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. You see, there's people even in this crowd and even myself at times that think I'm above this. I'm above helping my brother. I don't want to get in on that. Oh my goodness, that that just causes all kinds of problems. Don't think yourself to be something when you're not. None of us are above helping one another. None of us are above fulfilling the law of Christ and that is to love one another. We've got burdens. We need to be a part of each other's lives so much that we help each other carry those burdens. Then we need to be people who take responsibility. Look at this in verse 4 and 5. It says, But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Whoa, whoa, Trey. This is that contradiction I was talking about. It just said we should bear each other's burdens. But now it says we should bear our own burden. First of all, in the original language here, these this word burden and the word burden from verse 2 are two different words. In verse two, we see this word burden as a weakness, a fault, a caught up in a sin. But here we see the word burden. Literally, it comes from this, um, old Greek word that talks about how a ship would carry a load. And the burden or the weight of that load is the burden. But that's what the ship was made for, to carry the load. Each one of us is made for a specific burden. God has given us a specific opportunity in our everyday life and I can't carry that burden for you. I can't reach the people that you can reach. I'm not in the areas that you're in every day. That's your burden. And what Paul's saying here is really the best way for each of us to carry our burden is for everybody to carry their own weight. Everybody carry their own weight, do their part. We need men and women that do their own part. As we look at this, Again, the idea is for us to carry our own weight. Sometimes it seems really heavy. Sometimes it seems as if we can't do it on our own. But it's your burden. Listen, there's people in your workplace that you see every day. How many of them know that you're a Christian? And how many of them do you know that are saved? Have you asked? Oh, well, they go to church down here at so-and-so. Lost people can go to church. You have a burden each and every day in the workplace. Maybe, maybe you say, well, Trey, I'm retired. I don't work. There's people that you surround yourself with. That's your burden. I can't carry that for you. That's your burden. We need to realize that each of us has a ministry. Each and every day, the places we go, that's your ministry. That's your people to reach. Paul likens it to a body. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 14, it says, For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not of the eye, I am not of the body, is therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing... Where were the smelling? But now hath God sent the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased Him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. What Paul's saying here is each person in the body of Christ in this church has a specific role they have to fulfill. And if you're not fulfilling your role in this church, you're affecting the rest of the body. Imagine if your eyes didn't work correctly and you think it wouldn't affect the rest of your body. The places we stump our toe, the places it hurts when members of the body aren't bearing their burden. It hurts. We need people, we need church members who are willing and ready to bear their personal burden so that the ministry of this church can be carried by many. Bear your own burdens. That's a responsibility that we have to take up. But we also not only need to bear our own burdens, but we need to realize that our actions have consequences. Look at verse 7-8. through 8. I'm sorry, back up just a second. What What is my burden? Verse 6, Let the, him that is taught in the Word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. And this seems like a very confusing verse, and I myself did a lot of studying around this verse this week. Basically, what this is saying is saying, okay, you're taught in the Word, okay, you're the student. If you learn something about this book, tell the teacher. That, that's really what it's saying. And, and what it means there, the principle is here, there's things that God gives you that He doesn't give me. We need to use that for the whole ministry of this church. We don't need to, don't need to hold that to ourselves. We don't need to hold that back. If God lays something on my heart out of this book, I need to share it with you all. I need to give it to y'all because that may be the one thing our church needs. Don't hold it back. Share it. Use it. I don't know what it is that God has blessed you with. And it may be a talent. It may be, it could be many things. But use it for God's glory. Verse 7 and 8. We need to realize that our actions have consequences. Be not deceived. God is not... a is not mocked for whosoever for whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap for he that soweth to this flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption but he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap everlasting life our actions have consequences when we go out and we try to fulfill the pleasures of this life there's a doom coming there's a humility coming there's corruption coming. When we reap or when we sow to the flesh, we will reap of the flesh corruption. You don't plant orange trees and get apples. It just doesn't happen. When we sow after the things that we want, James puts it this way Lust when it is conceived, bringeth forth death. Ultimately, when we sow the things that we want, corruption is the end result. But when we sow the things that God wants, there's great reward in that. There is great reward in that. Imagine this: if I if I beat a dog over and over and over again, and then wonder why he won't come to me, you probably everybody in here would think I was crazy. Duh, you beat Him all the time. The same thing when we go through our lives and live for us and us and us and then something tragic happens. A lot of times we sit back and say, well, where was God? The point is we probably left Him out of it. That's the reason He's not there. We need to realize that our actions have consequences but in the same light when we sow after the spirit when we sow after the things of God there is great consequences people get saved people come to church people rededicate their life and start living for the Lord when we sow to the things of God when we sow to the spirit there is great consequences and we can rejoice in that Not only do we need to be people who care, not only do we need to be people who take responsibility, but we need to be people willing no matter what the cost. Look at verse 9 with me. I'm going to read verse 9 and 10. It says, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Paul urges us, don't grow weary. Don't give up. Have you ever felt like just throwing in the towel? I've tried to be perfect. I've tried to do the things God wants me to do, but I continually fall short. Let me tell you, the Christian walk was never promised to be easy. Paul gives us great reason not to give up because in due season, we will reap. We will reap. There is a great reward in sowing. Because even if it takes someone their whole lifetime to see the harvest, the harvest is worth seeing. you know growing up here around farmland we know a lot about crops and a lot about fields when farmers put their hard work into getting the soil just right getting the fields planted and as the especially this summer as they go through the summer of complete dryness they they pour loads and loads and loads of water onto their fields they'd be crazy at the end of that to just say, I'll let it rot. Why? Because they want the harvest. They want the harvest. They want what they've put in all that labor for. (laughs) And Christ tells us the harvest is coming. The harvest is coming. Don't give up because the harvest is coming. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 5. It says, Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believe even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth The increase. We need to realize that what we do on this life, even though we know there's a harvest coming, the harvest isn't for us. It's for Him. And what we do on this life, we can go for, and I want to see the harvest. Don't get me wrong. But it's not for me. It's for Him. He's the one that provides the increase. Even if it takes some time, the harvest is coming. We need to keep laboring, even if it costs us fatigue. We also need to keep laboring when the work hurts. Look at verse 11 through 18. Galatians 6, 11 through 18. You see how large a letter I have written unto you with mine own hand. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constraineth you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised, that they may glory in your flesh." But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature, and as many as walk according to the rule peace be on them, and mercy and upon the Israel of God. From henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Paul begins, first of all, by talking about his eyes. Paul didn't go through ministry. And when we look at the Bible, we need to realize that Paul didn't go through ministry and just have success, 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 success. But he labored, he tooled, and he pained over what God gave. His eyesight, for one, he writes these letters, big letters. And some people say, well, why didn't he just give up? If he had to write in big letters and he couldn't see, and why didn't he just stop? Why didn't he let somebody else do that? It was his burden. It was his burden. He 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 knew it, and and he knew it as well as I. And you know your burden. Nobody else can do it because that's what God's called you to do. And then he says, My body bears the marks of the Lord. Paul was beaten, shipwrecked. He's put through the ringer. You think he came out of that without any scars? You're crazy. But he said this in spite of the scars, in spite of all that, he was willing to work, go through fatigue, go through pain, because he had the opportunity to carry the burden that Christ had. He said, I will glory in the cross. I will glory in the cross. I will carry the burden that Christ has, that is to seek and to save that which is lost. The reason he did ministry until it hurt, until he was tired, is because he realized that what he was doing was not for himself, but for the Jesus Christ that died on the cross for him. There's people in the world today that need the Lord. You say, Trey, that that's so old. No, there's people in the, it's still relevant today. People need the Lord, and we may be the only people that can reach them. That's our burden. We need to start carrying it. There's people in the world that need the redemptive message of Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross. We, as Christians, have that burden laid on us. We need to show people we care. We need to take responsibility. And we need to be willing no matter the cost. As we get ready for a hymn of invitation, what's your burden this morning? Are you helping other people carry their burdens? Maybe there's somebody here this morning that says, I I feel like I have the weight of the world on my shoulders. Let me tell you, you can join up with us as a member at Promised Land Church and that's our job is to help you carry that burden. Amen. We are one body. The body of Christ and we're supposed to help each other. We're supposed to lift each other up. That's our duty. What do you need to do this morning? You need to respond to Christ's calling. Bear each other's burdens and carry your own.